right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. Because plastics can be so much more. Give this trash the second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag Program, happening in your neighborhood today. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Marshall. We've a story to tell you which will take you back in time to a period when our country was very young and the country from which we separated was centuries old. One reason we are Americans and not Englishmen is that King George III was mad. Periodically, during his early years on the throne, continuously for the last 11. This 11-year period known as the Regency, provides us with the background for the story that follows. And I must confess, Maria, her attitude seemed very odd to me. It was odd, Doctor. Unless you understand, understand and accept her ability to, to remove herself from this world. Remove herself? Well, I don't know any way that that can be done until death does it for us. But she says it's very like death but a very happy thing. It would be pleasant, wouldn't it, to think of death as a happy thing? At least for the one who dies. But I fancy it is, Doctor. It's those who must live on who suffer, wouldn't you say? Our mystery drama, The Climbing Boy was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Marion Seldes. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. The Regent, who was not to become George IV, till the death of his mad father in 1820, was not a wicked man, nor even a malicious one. It was simply that he lived exclusively for his own pleasure, and in so doing, set the lifestyle for most Englishmen, at least for those who could afford it. One who could not afford it tells us why. Had it not been for the deep and abiding affection I bore Lady Emily... I should never have accepted her invitation to spend a fortnight at Feathers. I despised Lord Hollander, and I'm sure he thoroughly reciprocated my feelings. But her invitation carried more, I felt, than a simple desire to enjoy my company. It held a note of desperation. I hope, my dear Maria, you will not be put off by the fact that Lord and Lady Agramont will also oh, be our guest. It is, no it is nothing new for Rodney to bring his mistress into our home. But this time, he's had the audacity to invite her husband as well. You know what a foolish, foppish man Lord Agramont is. 
To have to sit by and witness Rodney's dalliance with Hester is bad enough. To listen to William's inanities is more than I can endure. And so it was that I grimly packed my portmanteau and took the coach to Feathers. Maria. Maria, how good of you to come. Only for you, my dear, would I? Oh, Maria. Come upstairs, and I'll show you to your room. Just leave your portmanteau. Gibson will bring it up, or somebody will. Come on. Here's your room, right next to mine. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> well, it, it's a bit on the chill side right now. So is the whole house, for that matter. But Rodney's having the chimney swept out this morning, and once that's done, we'll have a great roaring fire going for you. Oh, that'll be lovely. Oh, Maria, I know I'm not giving you time to settle in or anything, but I had to talk to you privately. You're the only one I can talk to. You're my only friend, really. Emily, dear, don't agitate yourself so. Of course you can talk to me. But I, I haven't even asked you if you're hungry, if you want a cup of tea or anything. Later, later, you're trembling. Now, what is it? Well, of course, you you know how things are between Rodney and me. Yes, I have some idea. Not good. Hester Agramont. She's only the latest in a long line of mistresses he's had. Her husband doesn't seem to care. And to bring them both into this house. Only for the weekend. But that it should be this weekend, Maria. It, it's just a year ago that it happened. You mean, Peter? That we lost him. Rodney hasn't approached me since. I haven't wanted him to. Oh, it's not because he's grieving for our son. Oh, no, it's not that. It's because he's become, well, let's say, weary of me. Weary of my spells. He dislikes them intensely. What spells? You don't have spells. Oh, yes, I do. Rodney's right about that. My dead spells, he calls them. And that's not at all a poor description, either. For I feel very close to death during those spells. Emily, you can't mean that. Oh, I do. But it, it's a happy feeling. Believe me, it is. But it can't be. <laughs> what on earth are you talking about? Well, it's not a physical death, Maria. During the spells, I'm here all right. I talk, walk, eat, drink, and order the servants about, and plan meals, do all the things I always do. Only part of me isn't here at all. Well, where is it? I don't know precisely. But not here. How long has this been going on? Since Peter died. Or since shortly after. Poor little boy. He was only five years old, Maria. I know. And I suppose that in my... my dead spells, I'm trying to be with Peter. I have the feeling that he needs me. And you say this has been going on for a whole year? Well, the first one was just under a year ago. I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't mean to do it. Not the first time. I can go off now. Any time I want to. You... You want to? You do it on purpose? Oh, Maria, yes. When I can't bear it here any longer, it's... It's wonderful to have some place to go. I'll grant you that. There are times when I'd like a place to go. But, Emily, where is it that you go? I don't know. Or perhaps I do now. But I, I can't talk about it. I'm in another world. Oh, my body is here. My body with all its faculties. 
sight, speech, hearing. The essence of myself is somewhere else. You make it sound like some sort of mystical experience. Perhaps it is. Emily, tell me something. When you... When you go someplace else and yet your body stays here... Yes? Well, can can it... Can you be seen? Is there something... I mean, is there something of you that can be recognized? I'm not quite sure. One time, when I went off in the middle of the night, Rodney swears he saw a ghost wandering across the lawn. The ghost of a woman, he said, with long, dark hair trailing down her back, nearly to her knees, as yours does. Oh, you and I know there are no ghosts. And that night, being so put out by Rodney's teasing, I know I wanted him to see me, wanted it intensely, that he should see and understand I could leave him any time I wanted to, in the spirit, if not in the flesh. Oh, Emily, I do hope you know what you're about. I'm able to live, Maria. Otherwise, I... Otherwise, what? <sighs> Who knows? Emily! Emily? Yes? Who is it? William, my dear. Is it all right? Oh, of course. Come in, William. Ah, Tipson said I might find you here. You remember Maria True, William? Oh, oh yes, yes. How are you, Maria? Very well, and you? Thought uh, I'd hack about the countryside for an hour before luncheon. I thought you might come with me, Emily. Hate to ride alone. I'm afraid not. There's so much to be done here. Oh. Maria? I don't ride. Oh, it's a pity. Well, why don't you ask Rodney to accompany you? I'm sure he'd love to. Oh, he would, but he's otherwise engaged. Oh? Oh, not what you think, my dear. No, no, his time's being taken up by some local fellow name of uh, uh, Harding, I believe. Harding? Had two small boys with him. But that's Harding the chimney sweep. Yes, yes, I believe there was some talk about uh, cleaning out chimneys. But we have a machine for doing that. All right, I'm off to the stables. See you at the luncheon table. It can't be. He can't have called in Harding. We have a machine. I never heard of a machine for sweeping chimneys. Well, it, it isn't really a machine. It's a, it's a very, very long brush. You can reach way up the chimney with it. I had one sent down from London only last week. Well, let's go downstairs and, and see what's happening. Oh, yes. I, I can't bear the thought of using these climbing boys. They're so young. They have to be at least eight years of age. That's a law. Well, they shouldn't be used at all. There should be a law to that effect. The select committee has just failed for the third time to pass a bill like that. It was laughed down in the House of Lords. Laughed down? What was there to laugh at? Oh, someone made what they considered a very funny speech saying that the climbing boys were like a dose of calomel prescribed by a doctor to clean out the system. Oh, come, Marie. Oh, we must see what's going on. I won't permit oh, it. Not up, in my house. Up you go, my boy. Up, up. He's uh, near at this, my lord. Rodney, whatever are you doing? Why aren't you using the long brush? Why is uh, this boy... Don't pass, Emily. Rodney, don't you pass. swore to me. Uh, Tipson flatly refused to use the brush, so what was I to do? Well, you could have used it yourself. Myself? 
Oh, come you now. You promised no climbing boy would enter this house. Can't you hustle him up a bit, Harding? He's only gone up about six feet and stopped there. What are you going to do? Nothing too drastic, Lady Orlander. Mere boy. Up and after him. What? I'm giving this other boy a pin, my lady. A common pin. Oh, what on earth for? Mean go up after the little one and give him a few jabs with a pin. What? Mean the soles of the little one's feet, you see. That'll move him all oh, right. Oh, no, you can't. You all can't. Right, all right, now, boy. Up with you. Just a few jabs with a pin. Don't overdo it. There's enough to get him moving on up, you know how. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Well, you draw it up there. No good, huh? Won't move, huh? Well, I'm off. Uh, nobody wants a bit of a cross-country ride, eh? We're busy, William. Oh, you're having a bit of trouble, are you, with the, uh, with the climbing boys? Little one's new to it, sir. Got up a few feet more than much. Wouldn't budge, eh? Well, I've got a way to fix that. Saw it done at Lady Milburn's a week ago. William, what are you doing? I've, uh, I've got a little bit of hay here. I was saving it to give to my horse. Well, you... You're not liking it. Well, of course I am. <gasps> now, let's add a little something. Let's see what have we got. Well, okay. here's a few pages from the London Tap. Oh, that'll do the trick. Oh, you can't. You stop it. Brute. You brute. <laughs> oh. I don't move him, all right. Yeah, if, he, if he doesn't <gasps> want his feet burnt to a crisp. All right, move, boy. I can't bear it. I can't. Oh, my dear. Go to your room, no, Emily. No. Is he moving? Oh, he must be. Oh, dear God. should be here. Uh, she's upstairs, I believe. Doing what? I believe she's with the boy. The climbing boy? The one who fell down the chimney. Uh, he didn't fall. He simply let go and dropped. Why didn't she send him home with Harding? I believe she's giving him a bath. A what? A bath? You, you said a bath? Whatever for? I've always... I've always understood that climbing boys never bathe. Well, it makes sense now, doesn't it? Will you all excuse me? Where are you going, Maria? Upstairs. But there's a saddle of mutton coming, Maria. I've had enough, thank you. I'll be with Emily. I'm not sure Maria's the sort of friend Emily should cultivate, Rodney. Oh, I know. What can I do? Emily's very set in her ways. Oh, <laughs> 
Dear boy, I'm going to have to let you soak in the warm water. The dirt is ground into your skin. I'm afraid to scrub any harder. Just sit here. May I? Thank you. What's your name? Hmm? Oh, you don't know? Is that what you're trying to tell me? It is. Well, why don't we give you a name? Would you like that? How would you like to be called... Well, how about Peter? Do you like that for a name? Oh, you do? Then we shall call you Peter. Peter shall be your name. Very apt. Oh, Maria, I, I was just talking to the boy here. He's not very talkative himself, but I expect that's because he's shy. Are you shy, Peter? I don't think he knows the word. Oh, there's so much he doesn't know. Uh, Peter, if that's to be your name, for the time being at least. How old are you? Yes, darling. How old? Do you know? Eight. You're eight years old. Yes, eight. Maria, I don't believe it. Eight. Look at that tiny body. He's not eight years old. He looks more to be like five or even four. This occupation does not encourage growth. However, you're not really eight years old, are you, Peter? Yes, eight, eight. He's just been told to say that. Threatened, probably. He's about the age my boy would be. Had he lived? Well, let's get on with this bath, shall we? <laughs> it's going to take a month of soaking before you'll get rid of this dirt. Formed a crust all over him. And then, heavens, boy, what do they give you to eat? Yes, Peter, dear. What does Mr. Harding feed you? Tell me. I want to know. Please. Nothing. Nothing? Is that possible? Oh, Maria, fetch him some milk and, and whatever else you think that... Yes, maybe some of the luncheon soup. Oh, yes, do hurry. Oh, Peter, you shall have some nice, Rich, fresh milk, right from our own sweet cows. You'll like that, won't you? Won't you? I don't believe you know what milk is. Is that possible? I've come to fetch some milk. Where's Emily? She's with the boy. The milk's for the boy. The boy? Maria, I forbid it. Nevertheless... This I... is my house. It's my milk, and I forbid it. Nobody feeds the climbing boys, Maria. They're supposed to fend for themselves. Rodney, these boys are sold to the older men who use them. Not only that, they're often kidnapped. Oh, I, I can't believe well, that. Well, it's quite true. You know the story of the Strickland boy, don't you? Strickland? Well, the Strickland's from Manchester. Yes, a climbing boy came crashing down the chimney of a home they were visiting. A tiny boy, and very handsome. And the Stricklands took him home with them. Oh, that's a mistake. Grave mistake right there. And when the boy saw the silver forks the Stricklands use, he cried out, My papa has forks like this. My word. And the boy said the Lord's Prayer each night without being taught it. Well, obviously, boy of good family. Yes, and then the story came out after some investigation. The boy's mother was dead. The father was traveling abroad, and the child had been left in the care of an uncle. 
The gypsies abducted him and sold him to a sweep for ten guineas. And that boy was four years old. Four? Oh, yes, that's, that's very young. Well, if you'll take a look at the boy in the tub upstairs, you'll conclude that he could be four years old, five at the very most. And now, if you'll excuse me, I'll fetch the milk. Dead Maria. Poor little boy. He looks so frail, doesn't he? He couldn't take the milk. Oh, perhaps I should have heated it. I've sent for Dr. Carruthers. If you don't eat, you'll die. Do you know that? You do. What did he say? He doesn't say anything. He just nods his head. What does that mean? I'd say it means he wants to die. Peter? That's not what you want, is it, my darling? You want to live and grow up to be a fine, strong boy and have a wonderful life. Oh, don't... Don't turn your head away, please. Please look at me. No, you're not going to die. I'm not going to let you die. Too bad Lady Emily had to miss that superb dinner. Well, there was no need for her to miss it. Emily's very stubborn sometimes. Oh, yes, I can see that. Makes it quite difficult for me, you understand? Oh, quite, quite. I swear, that woman gets more peculiar all the time. In what way, uh, peculiar? Well, she has these spells, you know. Uh, I'd say, hold on a minute. I, I do believe Emily's coming down. Oh, my dear. I'm glad you could join us. Where's Maria? She's with the boy. We're expecting Dr. Carruthers momentarily. You sent for Carruthers? In heaven's name, why? Because the boy is ill. But you should have sent him back to Harding. Let Harding look after him. It's because of Harding the boy is ill. Oh, nonsense, Emily. Really? Rodney. Rodney, I, I want to adopt this boy. Adopt him? Well, he's just about the age Peter would be now. That's what Maria thinks, and so do I. He needs care and love and and all sorts of things I can give him and that, and that he's not going to get from anyone else if he goes on with the life he's been leading. Dear Emily, I know your tender heart, but why should you give him anything? He's not your responsibility. I know that. I want to make him my responsibility. I want to adopt him, Rodney. Oh, no. It's out of the question. Why is it out of the question? Well, it simply is. I have no desire for a son not my own. I have. We know nothing at all about this boy. We could ask Harding. We could ask him from whom he bought him or stole him. No, 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 no. You might find out something interesting, Rodney. Now, Maria, kindly keep out of this. I just wanted to remind you of the Stricklands. They adopted that boy. They educated him. Yes, you see, Rodney, we could do the same. I don't know. That must be the doctor. I saw his trap pull up. Oh, let him in, Maria, and take him upstairs, will you? Of course I shall. Oh, Rodney, please do this one thing for me. Please. In 
here, Dr. Carruthers. Uh, after you, Miss True. Ah, oh, this is the patient? Yes. Uh, this is not, uh, not Lady Emily's boy. Oh, no. He's a climbing boy who was brought here to sweep out the chimneys. Why, this boy is half dead already. Why wasn't I called sooner? Well, we only just... We, we, we didn't know. He, he fell down the chimney. He's no more than four or five, I'd say. Well, we fed him some milk, but he couldn't keep it down. Yeah, he hasn't had milk in a long time. If ever. The boy is dying, Miss True. But he can't. He can't die. There's nothing I can do. These climbing boys... There's no hope for them. But there must be something you can do. They die of exposure of bad food or no food, of burns, beatings, overwork. Most of all, I say they... They die of a wish to die. That's what Emily and I... Yes? We were saying he didn't seem to want to live. Would you? Would you want to live his life? Their lungs are filled with mortar and soot that blinds them, chokes them. Most of them develop asthma or some other respiratory condition. Their knees and elbows are bruised. It's terrible. It's all so terrible. Why, Miss True, do you know that climbing boys have been sent up chimneys that were already on fire? I think our... Our climbing boy has breathed his last, Miss True. No. Don't grieve. He's better off. But, Emily, uh, Lady Hollander was going to adopt him. She's below stairs now, talking to her husband about I'm it. sorry the boy couldn't be saved. Perhaps a year ago, who knows? I, I, I don't know how to tell her. She lost her own little boy just five years ago. A boy named Peter, wasn't it? She started to call this one Peter. He didn't seem to know his own name. Maria? I brought Rodney up to see the boy. Oh, Dr. Carruthers, thank you for coming. Uh, Lady Hollander, how are you, Carruthers? What's the matter? Doctor? The boy is dead, Lady Hollander. You say he's dead? Yes, Rodney. Well, it's a good thing we didn't go ahead with what we were talking about, isn't it? The boy must not have had a decent constitution, eh, Doctor? He wasn't very strong, no. Hmm. We'd have had all sorts of trouble with him, wouldn't we, if we'd adopted him? <laughs> we were thinking of it. Probably you would have had, yes. Well, one damn thing after another. That's what it would have been. Well, Emily? Leave her alone, Rodney. Well, she's all right. Aren't you? I'm all right. Lady Hollander, are you all right? Dr. Carruthers, I'm so sorry we got you over here to no purpose. Won't you stay for supper? I think it's roast beef tonight. Please stay, Doctor. You could spend the night as well, if you like. Please, Doctor, I'd so like to talk to you. Oh, you're very kind. I... Then it's all settled. Come, Doctor. I'll show you to your room. I'll get Tipton to make it up for you. Well, that's most kind of you, Lady Hollander. He's gone off again. One of her dead spells. Blast. Why should I have to put up with this? Come to the window, Rodney. I want to show you something. Huh? What is it? 
Look down there. Among the yew trees. Well, I don't see anything. You don't? It's the outline of a woman. She's holding a small boy by the hand. And now she's leaning over. And he's whispering something in her ear. And she's nodding her head. Pity you can't see it. It's very clear to me. Lady Emily Hollander had, or believed she had, the ability to make herself seen by whomever she wished during these so-called spells. Why, then, is her outline so distinct this time to Maria, while Lord Hollander sees nothing? We shall try to bring you the most cogent answer of which we are capable when we come back with Act Three. Climbing boy is dead. Dead at a very tender age. No more than five. Dead at almost the very moment when a new life might have dawned for him under the tender care of Lady Emily Hollander. Dead before he had hardly experienced life at all. Now let our story be carried forward by the woman who began it, Miss Maria True. Supper that evening was a horror. Emily sat at the head of the table and conversed in a manner that could only signify that she was having one of her dead spells, as her husband termed them. Most assuredly, she was not the Emily who had been my dear friend for so many years. Dr. Carruthers and I maintained silence for the most part. It wasn't till we had left the table that I could draw him aside. Dr. Carruthers, could we take a stroll on the veranda? I do need to talk to you. Oh, of course, Miss Drew. Ah, after you. Thank you. Dr. Carruthers, I want to assure you that the woman you saw tonight presiding over the dinner table is not Emily, is not Lady Hollander. Uh, not... Oh, it was her body, of course. But she was not in it. I... I don't think I'm following you. Her spirit is elsewhere. Yes, I confess her... Attitude when we were forced to tell her the boy had died was not all that I'd expected. Particularly when you'd told me she was considering adoption. It seemed very odd. It was very odd, unless... Unless you understand and accept Lady Hollander's ability to... To remove herself from this world. Remove herself, I... I don't know any way that can be done until death does it for her. Well, she told me only this morning that it's very like death. It seems close to death, but that it's a very happy thing. It would be pleasant, wouldn't it, to think of death as a happy thing? At least for the one who dies. But Lady Hollander obviously does not die. Only her mind seems to stray away. Not her mind, Doctor. Her soul. As I stand corrected. Oh, I'm so grateful you consented to stay, Dr. Carruthers. I sorely needed someone to talk to. Now, there's one more thing. Yes? After you and Lady Hollander left the room this afternoon, Lord Hollander and I were there alone. 
And I chanced to be standing by the window and looking out, and I saw... I hesitate to tell you because you'll think me daft. <laughs> Not you, Miss True. I saw a woman by the yew trees. Yes. And a small child, little boy. Oh, yes. What, what was there about that to perturb you? It's my belief, Doctor. Against my best judgment, against my common sense. It is my belief that as soon as Lady Hollander heard of the death of the climbing boy... Her spirit, her soul, if you like, withdrew. Withdrew from the room of death and went outside under the yew trees. And there she met... Well, who knows? The soul of her son, Peter? Or the soul of the climbing boy? We got through that dreadful evening. Everyone prepared to retire for the night. Well, I suppose, Lord Hollander, you've made arrangements for the disposal of the body. Oh, you mean the climbing boy? Oh, yes. Yes, Harding came over and took it away just before supper. All taken care of. Though I must say Harding was put out. He'd had great expectations for that boy. Just the right size and all for chimney sweeping. Still, couldn't be helped, I suppose. I could not fall asleep. The awful events of the day crowded in on me. The sight of the boy's puny body in the tin tub of water flashed over and over again before my eyes. The words of Dr. Carruthers. Why, this boy's half dead already. Echoed in my head. His sad tones. climbing boys. There's no hope for them. They die of exposure. Of bad food. No food. Of burns. Most of all, I'd say they die of a wish to die. Small wonder that I could not sleep. Small wonder that in the wee hours of the morning, I was the first to smell the smoke. It was unmistakable. It was the smell of smoke, and not too far away. I sprang from my bed, seized my wrapper, and ran to the door of my room. Smoke. Thick, acrid smoke was pouring in great, great clouds from one of the rooms. From the room of my host, Lord Rodney Hollander. I opened my mouth to scream, and all at once I saw, through the whirling smoke, a figure, a woman, leaving Lord Hollander's bedroom, and with a great effort and concentration, she was... She was dragging a limp and prostrate body with her. It was Emily. At last I found my voice and screamed, Help! 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 The general opening of doors along the corridor brought sound of was extinguished in due time. The servants, headed by Tipson, accomplished it for the most part. Dr. Carruthers and I both admired their fearlessness. Well, there wasn't much but smoke in the room. 
The actual fire was confined to the chimney. Then Rodney died of, of the smoke. Yes, suffocation. There was nothing to be done for him. One odd... Oh, deuced odd. What was that, Doctor? His feet were singed. The bottoms of his feet had been burned. What do you make of that? I mean, since the fire never really reached out into the room. Well, I'm sure I can't explain it, Doctor, if you can't. What about Lady Agramont? What about her? She, she'll be all right. She was found in the hall, wasn't she? It was just outside her own room. I suppose she was the first to smell the smoke and came out to investigate. Oh, but then why didn't she cry out? Well, didn't she? I didn't hear her. Well, somebody cried out. That's what roused me. Yes, that's true. Someone did. I had one more chance to speak with Emily. She was still in one of her so-called dead spells. Yet there were moments when she seemed the same Emily I'd always known. Can't you stay for a bit, Maria? Oh, I must go up to London, Emily. Tend to a few matters. Uh, matters of importance, my dear. Otherwise, I wouldn't leave you. But the good Dr. Carruthers will stay on for a day or two, and by the time he leaves, I'll be back. Good. Hester and Willie have already left. I know. I'm glad. Why did you do it, Emily? Do what? I was the first to discover the smoke, you know. That is, the first after you. That's how I happened to see you dragging Hester's body out of Rodney's room. Oh? You saw that? Why did you do it? Well, it wouldn't have been proper, now would it? For people to find out that Hester shared Rodney's bed. No. Rodney would have hated that. But even so, why didn't you cry out as soon as you saw the smoke? No matter where it was coming from. Oh, I knew very well where it was coming from. Before I saw it. Even before I smelled it. But how could you? How could you have known? I was waiting for it. Whatever do you mean? I'd been told. Told what? Told that there would be a fire in that particular chimney. At precisely 3.15 in the morning. Well, who could have told you? Why, the climbing boy, Maria. He told me. And then I remembered standing in the room where the boy lay dead. I heard Rodney's voice as I'd heard it then. Damn, why should I have to put up with this, Maria? Why should I? Come to the window, Rodney. I want you to see something. What is it? Look down there. Among the yew trees. Well, I don't see anything. It's the outline of a woman. She's holding a small boy by the hand. Now she's leaning over. And he's whispering something in her ear. And she's nodding her head. Was that when the climbing boy had told Emily that there would be a fire in Rodney's chimney at 3.15 in the morning? I would have plenty to ponder on my journey up to London. Emily herself put me in the carriage, which would take me to the stagecoach. Goodbye, my dear. I'll see you in a few days. Yes. That will be good. And then we must make plans. Plans for your future. Oh, yes. Plans. You won't want to stay here. I don't know. Perhaps you'll try London for a while. You can stay with me. I have room. We'll talk about it. Goodbye, my dear. Goodbye, Maria. Come back soon. 
Well, I thought to myself, I've accomplished something for my friend. Now I thought as we drove past the broad veranda, if only I can get her interested in the reform movement, there's hope for her. But then, as the carriage picked up speed, we passed the rose garden and came to the clump of yew trees. And there, I saw her. I saw Emily. Well, rather, I saw the outline of Emily. I called to the coachman to stop. Yes. One could say the figure was made of vapor or steam. And yet its dimensions and form were very clear. And down its back hung long, dark hair, almost to its knees. I stared and stared until the horses grew impatient. But I saw something else. I saw a tiny figure of a boy. And then, the figure of another boy. There were two of them, and both were running fast, fast. And she held out her arms, and they both ran into them. And she held them close, and she laughed, and they laughed. Then, as I stared, the strangest thing of all occurred. holding in her arms, looked at each other, both still laughing, and even as I stared, they became one boy, and he was laughing, and Emily was laughing, and holding him and rocking him in her arms, and they laughed together for the sheer joy of being together, and I knew that in all probability, Emily would never come up to London. A sad story, was it not? A boy dead? A man, too. A woman not quite right. Well, not quite right mentally. A very sad story, really. Yet, ending in laughter. How can that be? We don't know. But this we wish for you, dear faithful listener, that whatever the sadnesses that enter your life, you will find somewhere, in some manner, the lightning, the leavening sound of laughter. I'll be back shortly. The Climbing Boy took place, as we have neglected to tell you, in the year of our Lord, 1819, in another country than ours, at a time when men laughed in Parliament at the fact that little boys were sent up chimneys. It is another time now and another place. Things are different now, here. But are they? If you think so, you haven't been paying attention. Our cast included Marion Seldes, Evie Juster, Court Benson, and Ian Martin. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. And now, a preview of our next tale. He's in jail. Jail? Why? What for? I, I suppose for smuggling. Smuggling? <laughs> That's impossible. That. It has to be a mistake. Oh, I'm sure of it. We have to get hold of Arthur Clemens. I already did. Or doesn't he practice that kind of law? He'll get someone else if he can't handle it. 
handle what? Well, all I know is Ted called me, and they allowed them one phone call. Please, Bert, get to it. Well, he said, Bert, I'm being accused of smuggling. Call Arthur and then tell Myra. But what is he accused of smuggling? Heroin or cocaine. I, I, I'm not sure. They found it in his attache case. But it's all a mistake. A, a terrible mistake. Or else it, it's a joke. A very bad joke. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Long weekends are all about getting a little U-Time. And at the Home Depot, U-Time means you building, you drilling, you doing, you recharging, you saving, and you going back for more. Do Labor Day your way and get a free 18-volt battery with select Milwaukee Power Toolkit purchases at the Home Depot. How doers get more done.